Love bombing. Yep. Manipulation. Check. Gaslighting. Uh-huh. Wow. I guess we really weren't the only ones. You got that right. Welcome to The X-Files, a new spinoff of Ex-Wives Undercover. Now we're sharing your stories of love gone wrong. Sometimes we laugh. Sometimes we cry. But more importantly, we we stand stand together. Welcome back. I'm Amber. And I'm Athena. We are excited to be back for season three. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited, especially because we get to introduce all of you to Alicia, and the story of Alicia and Chase is crazy. I I love it, and I love the fact that she came from our private Facebook group, and she was bold enough to kind of put herself out there and Absolutely. say, hey, I got this story, no shame. I mean, if we could put our stuff out there, you know. It's awesome to see other women feeling comfortable enough to be like, yeah, me too. We want to also make sure that everyone listens until the very end because we do have a special guest. This is going to be a five-part episode and we will have other guests on to kind of just really get some additional insight. We're just going to dive into it a little bit more. Yeah, it's good stuff. All right, girl. Are you ready to do this? Let's do it. Season three, episode one, Reunited. I met Chase when I was 11, going on 12. It was the summer uh, before I started middle school. I was actually folding laundry, which is kind of funny that I remember this. I was folding laundry and um, my friend Melissa was over. And that was important because Melissa's older sister was dating a man named Dan. And Dan was Chase's older brother. So they came to pick up Melissa from my house and Chase and I met then. I remember we just started laughing and immediately talking like there was like an instant like friendship. It was just fluid from that point forward. He was like the life of the party. Um, He'd walk into a room and he'd get everyone laughing, everyone talking to him. He was just, you know, he was one of those people that it didn't matter where he who he was with or where he was, he could make friends. You know, he was just very outgoing, very um, charismatic. I was a lot shyer then, I think. Um, I was a little more reserved. I was, you know, 11 an awkward age for women. We're just starting to develop. We've got all these things going on. Hormones are flying. And I, I think I felt very awkward because I, I didn't feel like I was developing like other girls in my class. So I felt a little awkward and I was shy. I didn't like talking to boys too much. We were honestly just friends and we were like, I, I don't even know how to explain it. We were closer than friends. We were almost like family. He was the person I think I trusted the most growing up. We We were so close that I could tell him anything, say anything, do anything, and not be afraid, be who I was at all times. So we did not date. I don't even think this subject came up. Other people didn't quite understand our friendship that much. Uh, They didn't understand the closeness. So there was a lot of jealousy between like my boyfriends and his girlfriends when we were in high school. It, It was not that I wasn't attracted to him or anything like that. It's just, I, we were so close that I think the both of us agreed on this, that we were so close, we didn't want to mess it up. You know, we, we didn't want to lose that. Starting a relationship in high school, you know, it could be like three months and then it's over. We didn't want to 
mess up what we had if we had dated and then lose all these years of friendship. That's kind of how we both viewed it. Now, the jealousy part between the girlfriends and the boyfriends um, that, you know, we had during high school, a lot of people were, were very insecure about our relationship. So his family, for instance, his mom used to say, oh, they're going to end up together. My parents thought the same thing. While speaking to Alicia's mother, we asked her what her thoughts were about her daughter and Chase's relationship. Well-spoken, polite, clean-cut, all-American kid. I was really surprised, actually, when she married somebody else. The personalities just meshed so well. I mean, they, they just, they didn't really have to communicate a lot to get stuff done. With, with a look and a, and, a, and a gesture and an action and everything else, they were just... You know, they were very easy together. So people would always be like, oh, they've been friends forever. They're probably going to get married one day. So th that was, you know, the little um, storyline that would go on. And, and I guess that would be hard for people coming in. My dad, one summer when I was 15, bought um, one of those doughboy pools that you pop up in the backyard. Don't need to dig a hole or anything. It's just one of those pop-up things. You know, it was hot in summer. We grew up in L.A., and um, we'd invite, I'd invite everyone over. So Chase would come over, he'd bring over his guy friends and things like that. One day he brought over his friend, Mike, who he had known since he was like eight years old. They played soccer together or something. And I was changing out of my bathing suit into regular clothes because we were going to go somewhere else. And in, I was in the laundry room, which was connected to the garage, which was outside. And Mike was trying to push the door in and basically peep on me changing. Chase came up and hit him square in the face. like gave him a black eye and told him to leave me alone, that that wasn't, you know, that wasn't okay, that he wasn't going to allow that to happen. So that was one of the first major incidents where he really tried to protect me, quote unquote, from the bad guys. And he would tell me that all the time. The other one is I, I was 16, so it's about a year later. I was dating um, this guy named Anthony. I found out during the course of dating was a lot older than what he said. So he was actually 19 at the time. He wasn't 17. Well, after I broke up with Anthony, he started showing up at my job, um, showing up at my school. He broke into my house one time um, and left notes on my bed telling me that we should get back together, that I was the love of his life, like creepy, weird things. One time I was uh, house sitting for my grandparents and he broke into the house and turned all the furniture upside down and wrote a note that said you look so pretty when you're sleeping creepiest thing ever when chase found out about all this he one time couldn't get a hold of me on the phone and he raced over to my house he came over and he slept at my grandparents house and slept on the floor in another bedroom to make sure that i was okay and that was the kind of friendship we had so he was very much a protector of me when I was younger. I love hearing this sweet little friendship that you guys had. And it sounds like mm -hmm. you were really close. So yeah. how did you lose touch? You know, you obviously both graduated high school. <laughs> and then where did your life paths take each of you? Well, so a lot of things happen after high school. I actually joined the military. So I went off to the Army. And um, I went to boot camp. But prior to that, you know, he had graduated two years before me. 
So we were still close. He actually went to my senior prom with me. And then he started dating his um, first wife, Erica, at the end of my senior year. I go to basic training. I, you know, I'm, I'm gone for about three years. We wrote letters. Um, we stayed in contact, things like that. But it was like sporadic. It wasn't every day. I actually got married during that time. I got married when I was 19. And soon afterwards, he married Erica. So we had a lot of life stuff, big life stuff going on. And it wasn't that we drifted apart. It was more just we had so much going on. But we still kept in contact. We'd touch base every few months, maybe like once a year, twice a year. Or when we'd visit family back in our hometown in LA, we would, you know, try and meet up or have lunch or something like that. So we did connect through Facebook. We would talk, uh, chat every once in a while. I did see that he had children, things like that. But by that time, I lived across the country. I was, um, you know, on the East Coast. I was in Ohio. And he had moved from L.A. to Idaho. We asked Alicia about her ideals around love and marriage. You see, oftentimes our love experiences as a young adult play a very important role in who we let into our lives in the future. Using five words, describe your ideals about love and marriage. Trust is a big one. Loyalty, mm -hmm. um, which falls in with commitment. So those two are this, basically the same. So we're going to count that as one. So compatibility, loyalty, trust. Um, Come on, you got to add good sex. I know, right? Well, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> that's definitely... That's definitely a part of it, I'm like the attraction and like all of that. That's definitely a big, that's a big plus. Yeah. You know, but I, I think, you know, and then friendship at the core too. Mm -hmm. Being able to be friends with your partner is a big deal. There's a lot of things that Chase and I went through together that were big when we were kids. Um, his parents were split up and his dad actually had moved to Texas in the middle of his high school, um, you know, when he was growing up. And then my parents split up. And, you know, there was a lot of big, huge emotional things that we went through together as kids. That's also part of what bonded us is we had gone through these things together and we had the trust built because we had gone through these things together. So yeah. do you feel yeah. like there was anything significant in your younger year relationships that maybe looking back now formed or created patterns for you in your adult relationships or your marriage? Oh, yeah, absolutely. A lot of my relationship, I think, with my father has definitely affected, like, my future relationships. My relationship, actually, with Chase was a big influencer with not only romantic relationships after, after that, but friendships. I compared almost every friendship or relationship after that to the friendship that I had with him. So it was a, it was a big influence on my life you know from the time I was so young to even now it was a big influence on what shaped me tell us a little bit more about your marriage you mentioned that you got married so young you were I a did. baby I was I was a baby we met in high school and um he was an incredible artist and I remember that being one of the major things that attracted to me um, attracted him to me was that he was so talented. I was the bold one. He was the shy one. So we were opposites when we first met, um, which was also part of the attraction, I think, for the both of us. We both found each other really, really intriguing. We had kids young. I was 22 and I had two toddlers. So 
we we had kids very young, uh, which brought a lot of challenges, new challenges. And I think over the years, we just became more and more different or the differences became more apparent. I think just in the end, you know, he he's his ideal life was living in a camper van at the beach and mine wasn't that. And I had different goals and different things that I wanted to do. And we just became better at hurting each other than we did at loving each other. At the time that we divorced, which is now eight years ago, I spent half my life with this person. So that was a huge influence on who I was and what I thought about the world. And when you get out of such a long relationship, it rocks your whole world. Now, from my own previous experience as a single mom, I know how crazy dating can be. Getting back out there and experiencing life after divorce is definitely eye-opening. How did that go for you? And when you initially started dating, were you looking for a serious relationship? Were you looking for love? <laughs> that was uh, uh, it was eye-opening, um, to say the least. Uh, prior to that, you know, I had only dated in high school. So you met someone at your locker and you're like, hey, you're, you're cool. You want to go out after school? And, and that, that's how it went, you know? Then I entered the dating world as an adult and I entered the dating world when online dating started. And that was rather interesting. I remember one of my first dates, and this is going to be a hilarious story. Uh, <laughs> one of my first dates, I met a guy on, I think it was OkCupid. And, you know, he seemed great on his profile. We chatted a while. I think we chatted for like a week before we actually planned a lunch date. And I was trying to be super safe with all these things because this was brand new. I didn't know what I was doing. And so I thought lunch dates are safe, you know, during the day, public place, you know. Um, We go to a Mexican restaurant and the guy gets out of his car, which by the way, the car looked like it had come from the junkyard. And I don't mean like he's restoring it and it's going to be something nice later. I mean, like it was held together with a couple of paper clips and some glue, maybe like duct tape. And he crawled out the window of his driver's side, (laughs) which it doesn't matter what kind of car you drive. But I was kind of like, I'm not sure if that's a road hazard or not. (laughs) um, So I'm like, okay, all right, you know, we'll just go through with this date you know, it should be fine. And he walks up and I'm not lying. He was at least 15 to 20 years older than his profile picture. So I got catfished on my first date outside of divorce. Oh, heck no. <laughs> and I still was like, okay, well, maybe he's a nice guy. I'm already here. Let's, let's see what, you know. So we sit down for lunch and he, uh, he won't order anything. He kept saying, like, he's like, I'll, I'll just have chips and salsa. And I'm looking at him. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that makes it really awkward for me. And he goes, why is that? I'm like, well, typically girls don't like to eat, eat in front of men unless they're also eating too, especially when we just meet you. And he goes, oh, no, 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 it's okay. I'm going to eat the chips and salsa. So I'm eating in front of you. Then he goes, since you have children, I should probably tell you something. Okay, that is not a sentence you should say to anyone ever, much less a mother. (laughs) He goes, I've been to jail. I'm like, okay. And he goes, 47 times. What? I go, how? (laughs) How is that possible? And then he says, but don't worry, baby. 
my longest stint was only six months. Oh, wow. So I'm like, oh, okay. And only for assault. So like, no big deal. Um, You're like, check, please. Yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, great. Uh, awesome. So you're planning on going back. Okay. <laughs> so I get up, I say, all right, I have to go to the bathroom. I find the waiter. I pay for my food. I tell the waiter what's going on. And he sneaks me out the back door of the kitchen and I get in my car and I leave this guy at, at the restaurant. And for a minute, I felt a little bad. I was like, maybe I should have told him I was leaving. But then I was like, I don't know. It was weird. So I left. Maybe not the best um, exit I could have made. But I leave. I get a message from him on OkCupid going, oh, my God, I had such a great time. You're so beautiful. I can't wait to go back out again. Wow. I, I honestly like, have oh. no words for you. At so all. that was my that was my first dating <laughs> outside of marriage, and I was like, "Wow, this is um, this is something." So I kind of took a hiatus for a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish that our <laughs> listeners could see me and Athena's faces. Our mouths are on the floor going forty-seven <laughs> times. Forty-seven. You're shitting me. I I wish someone could have recorded me and my facial expression when they said <laughs> this because I was probably like what <laughs> were you wow. like am i being punked my yeah i was like is there someone on camera here is this like one of my friends what happened <laughs> it was so bad and then i was single again for probably another two years before uh chase came back in my life in january of 2018 you're single as can be and mm-hmm. mr chase your childhood bestie comes knocking on your door but literally in like a facebook message Is that it, was it was a facebook message yeah and that's kind of how we had communicated over the years so the last time i had heard from him prior to that had it probably been two years maybe more that i had heard from him prior to that so it was in january it was uh just after new year's eve i get this random message and it was basically like, hey, how are you and, and how you been kind of thing. So I messaged back and I go, oh, hey, you know, and just catching up. And it was friendly stuff. It was just, you know, going back and forth. He asked me how the kids were doing. They were actually both in Reno, Nevada at that point. Um, I was still in Ohio, um, but my boys had decided to go to Carpenter Training School Um, the same school that their grandfather, my ex-husband's dad had gone to. So they decided to go to Reno, live with their grandparents and, and start carpenter training. So I told them that I had just started empty nesting. So it was probably about four months into me being an empty nester that Chase came back into my life. I messaged him my phone number and we probably were on the phone for like three hours, maybe just catching up on life. And he blurts out that he loves me. Ah, how'd you feel about that? I think I was like, I was stunned. Um, I was stunned because he had never said anything like that to me before. I mean, we had been friends forever and he'd like joke around and be like, oh yeah, I love my pal or whatever. And he goes, no, but I've always loved you. You know that, right? And I said, okay, wow. Well, um, you know, I, I love you too, but I was thinking more like we're still like really good pals and and he's like no no i've always loved you and it always should have been us 
So it was a lot to take in. And I told him that. I was like, this is a lot. This is a lot to take in right now. I thought it was quick. I I mean, he, he impressed me because he actually did contact me and kind of asked my commission if he could, you know, hang out with her. He also asked me, he, could, he recalled that we had, you know, graduation photos done. And I had some really beautiful photos taken at Santa Susana Ranch. And he asked me to send him some copies. And I actually didn't mail him physical copies. I took a photo on my phone and, and sent it to him. How long did it take for Chase to bring up the divorce conversation regarding he and Denise? It was immediate. He told me that he was divorced. Oh, so he full on said divorce. Full on told me he'd been mm-hmm. divorced and okay. he told me he had been divorced for a year. They didn't have children together, but she had two children from a previous relationship. And then he had two children from his first marriage. Okay. So they, sh- they co-parented with their exes together and the kids lived with each other for the 10 years that they were married. He told me she was an alcoholic, that she physically abused him. He told me all of these things. Uh, He told me this one story in particular. He told me he had to go pick her up from a bar one night because she had too many martinis and that she was sloppy drunk in the car. And he told me that when he went to go pick her up from the bar, that she was hitting him in the car while they were driving down the freeway to the point that he had scratches on his face and that he got a black eye the next day and that during that car ride fight, he pushed her and that she filed battery charges on him and then later dropped it. I remember asking him, well, why didn't you file battery charges? And he goes, oh, because I loved her. And, you know, it was just a mistake. She was just drunk. But then this, this started happening all the time. And that's what ended our marriage. And, you know, and after that, she's been crazy. That's what he kept telling me, how crazy she was. She showed up at his house all the time and would stalk him and that she would use the kids as pawns. I'd find out later that the day he reached out to me, she had only just moved out of the house that day. Mm. Like she wasn't even fully moved out. She had just packed some stuff and went to her parents. So, and so, they weren't divorced. So Amber had previously brought up a really good question for you because we're women and we're always curious about the ex. So right. did you ever look her up on social media? Did you... Do you know, she had, checkup, I, I did a little bit, not too much. Um, you know, I, I didn't know much about her and I was just getting back into this, you know, relationship, friendship with Chase, but I did look up her, um, Facebook. She still had pictures of that up and he said, oh yeah, she's, she's been doing that. And then, um, she sends me pictures of, she sends me pictures of all the dudes she's with. And she's, she, she cheated on me with her best friend's brother, Eric, and she's actually living with him right now. And that's, that was one of the stories that he said. Um, so I thought she was awful, you know? Um, I thought that everything that had happened was terrible. I mean, I trusted everything he said. Why wouldn't I? I am so you. I'm like, yes, yes. I was that girl. <laughs> right? I hated 
I hated that biatch. <laughs> I was like, yeah, at least someone knows my feelings. <laughs> but yeah, it was like he made her out to be this oh horrible God, person. I know and some I of those like, things oh. are reminding me of what he said about me, like horrible out all the time. Like I yeah, know just a hoe bag, just sleeping around. Yeah, that so. she was cheating constantly. Yeah, mm-hmm. no idea how many men she had, you know, cheated on him with, and that she was always drinking and that she was physically abusing him and that you know um she drained him of money and all these things and that now she was using her stepchildren as pawns to continue to control him and you know that his life had been awful for the last year i think when i first reached out to you guys the the first thing i said to you was i have such a similar story i had to go back and make sure we didn't date the same person seriously (laughs) i was like whoa i know So we've covered um, Denise, but what about Erica, the first wife whom he had okay. children with? Did he throw her under the bus as well? Oh, yeah. He had a whole story about that. Oh, um, poor, poor little baby Chase. He's a victim. Yeah. Oh, poor absolutely. Guy. He went into this whole story and he cried. I'm going to tell you, this was over, over FaceTime and there were tears, like big tears. And he went into this whole thing about how... Um, he was working, this is around the market crash in 2008. He told me he had started his own business and that he was traveling a lot. So he was traveling a lot and trying to make money to support his family. They had just bought a house. They had one child and she was pregnant with the second. And he had moved in one of his best friends named Sean. And that Sean and him had connected over fishing. They used to go fly fishing and stuff together and and catch um, bass and all these things. So it was a, it, there was a big bromance between the two of them. And Sean was on hard times and needed a place to stay. So they were renting a room to him. And Chase came home from a business trip, he said, early. And he walked in on Sean and his wife, Erica, having sex on the couch. That he beat up Sean, kicked him out of the house, And he went into this whole dramatic story about how he took the couch outside and he burned it. And, and that, and that how he met Denise is because Denise was Sean's girlfriend at the time. And that they, um, after the marriage broke up, they went to dinner one night because they connected over the fact that Sean and Erica had had an affair and hurt both of them. And that that's how their relationship started. So I I kind of sympathized with him a little bit. I thought, wow, this is crazy. Because I mean, I, again, I had kind of known Erica and we didn't know each other well, but we knew each other as kids uh, or when they first started dating. So it just kind of shocked me a bit. And, you know, and then I felt bad for him again, all these bad things had happened. And so it just sounded like he had been through so many rough things. And all I wanted to do at that point Cause he was tapping into all my feelings and he was tapping into like old trauma wounds and like childhood stuff and like all these things. All I wanted to do was wrap my arms around this guy and be like, it's going to be okay. I'm so sorry that this happened to you. I'm so sorry that life beat you up. Let me, let me be here to make it better. Let me be here to bring some light into it. And that, that's what I wanted at that point. So let's dive into that. Um, can you tell us, more about the love bombing? Oh yeah, it came on thick. Um, I mean, we talked every single day 
um, and we'd FaceTime for hours, FaceTime. And it was like, like we were, you know, teenagers and friends again. We were laughing and joking and we had all the old inside jokes that we had when we were hanging out in high school and, um, you know, we'd play all the old music that we listened to and we'd laugh about stuff and talk about memories. So we'd bring up a lot of the past while we were talking, which I think um, helped me feel more comfortable about our developing relationship. He started sending me things like he started sending me gifts. Um, one, one in particular, he sent me this bamboo plant that was two heart-shaped bam, um, bamboos. So it was like two bamboo hearts and it was delivered by a florist. And when it was delivered to my door, it had my name and his last name. And then the note said to my future missus, to my one and only, the one that should have been always. Oh, he's good. Yeah. That's really good. And he would always say like, you know, it didn't feel like we had just started dating. It felt like we had been together for years. He would say, you know, this, it hasn't been months. We've been together for 25 years. And that, that's um, some of the things that he would say all the time. If he could go back in time, he would have chosen me and I would have been the, the first wife and the only wife and we would have grown old together, all these things. And he was laying it on thick and I was soaking up every word because I wanted to, because right. I wanted to believe this, you know? Yeah, because we all do. It sounds too good yeah. to be true, and we want it to be true. It was every romantic movie you've ever seen. It's almost every Taylor Swift song written before she broke up with someone. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was it was magical. It was amazing. It was the best feeling ever. And you know, after failed relationships and failed online dating and questioning my own life at that point, this felt like a refreshing light. It, it just felt natural. And why wouldn't I trust this person? I'd known him my whole life, my whole life. Exactly. And this is that stage in relationships where you're not going to see the red flags. A lot of us, when you're wrapped up in it and you're so excited and this is like serendipity and we're reconnecting, you don't see those red flags, but Mm -mm. I mean, obviously you guys lived in different states. Was there any reservation of like, hmm, how's this going to work? I'm in Ohio and he's in Idaho <laughs> and, you know, this can't go well, on forever. We talked about it. We had decided he could work from home a lot um, with his job. So one of the things we had decided to do was like one month I would fly out there for a week. And then the next month he would fly out and stay a week with me. And then we would um, alternate back and forth. So I flew out. I was the first one to fly out. So it was very exciting. It was very new. And I, I do remember talking to my mom about it um, when all this was happening. And, and I remember saying, like, I know it seems a little fast. And, and she even said, she goes, but it's not fast, though. You guys have been friends for so long that this isn't fast. Your relationship is, is progressing naturally because you have all of this history together. So I remember thinking at first, like, is this too quick? But then it just felt natural and comfortable too. So maybe I should have listened to my intuition then. You have just landed. You've arrived in Idaho. You're at the airport. You see Chase. What are you thinking? What's on your mind? Are you feeling sparks? Is there an attraction there in person? We were very giddy about this whole visit. We were super excited. And... 
I remember he kept getting nervous prior, like the night prior, he kept saying like, well, what if you just like me as friends? And, and, and what if you don't want to be in a relationship with me? And like, it's awkward when you get here. And I remember him like fretting about that. And I said, well, if we still, if we just remain friends, then we still have a great relationship. We have this beautiful relationship. So either way, we're not losing, you know? And I arrive at the airport and I'm getting my baggage. I'm at baggage claim. And he comes running through the door and sprints over to me, mm-hmm. scoops me into the biggest hug, picks me up off the floor, you know, the big dramatic movie scene kind of hug. And he just whispers in my ear, I'm so glad that you're here. I, I fell into that hug and I fell into it hard. And I, I don't know when we actually let each other go. We must have been there for a while. And I remember people walking by us and kind of smiling and that kind of stuff. Like, you know, one guy patted him on the back and was like, I'm so happy she's here for you. You know, like strangers were coming up to us. And then when he came back, I remember he was so upset because apparently his ex-wife Denise had stopped by and left heart-shaped chocolate boxes on the doorstep for the kids. And... I was like, why are you so upset about this? And he's like, cause she's playing her games again. She's playing her game. She's over here trying to manipulate everything. Um, she must know that you're here. And I was like, did you tell her I was coming to town? He goes, no, I didn't tell anyone. Cause I don't want anyone in my business. I didn't want her to be crazy and ruin your birthday. And I was like, okay, well, she just dropped off chocolates. It's not that big of a deal. We didn't see her. Um, you know, it seems like a nice gesture. She's doing this for the kids. Let's not let it ruin our weekend. We're going to go have fun. Fun fact, what you didn't know was that Chase and his estranged wife, Denise, were still sleeping together. In fact, they were actually talking about getting back together. We leave and he's kind of in a mood, but then like it starts getting lighthearted again and we get to the ski resort and he surprises me by taking me to this indoor water park. And... So I'm in a bathing suit in the middle of a snowstorm (laughs) and we're at this water park and like we're floating in the lazy river and we're having a blast and we're acting like children. You know, we just do all these things that like, I don't know, like if we were kids, it was fun. And he gets me a birthday cake. And then his gift to me was a book that he had made for me. And it was a book of stick figures. Now this is important because when we were kids, he used to draw all these little drawings of me is like this little stick and he used to call me a chicken. I don't know why, but he would call me a chicken and he would balk at me all the time. He'd be like, I, I don't know. It was a weird thing that he did. He made this little stick figure book for me and it was me as a chicken, like a cracked egg with two little legs. And then all of a sudden I hatch and I'm this, this girl. And then it's us developing our, our relationship um, as friends and then us becoming boyfriend and girlfriend and then at the end of the book it shows us getting married and then growing old together wowza so he laid it on thick <laughs> yeah it was but very thoughtful really, and very, very thoughtful sentimental original. yeah very sentimental. like and it was magical it was gorgeous uh, like every aspect of this entire four days that I was there was oh. just awesome I was completely on cloud nine when I left and I thought that wow you know This is it. After a fun-filled birthday weekend in Idaho, 
Chase came to visit Alicia in Ohio the following month. I picked him up from the airport and he was kind of grumpy and he said that his, the ex-wives club, that's what he called the two of them, that the ex-wives club knew that he was flying out and not that he was going to be with me, but that he was flying out to have some alone time. And so that they were torturing him. They were sending him nasty text messages and berating him and telling him what a horrible person he was. Um, and that he had just had a really rough day. I showed him around. I showed him the city that I live in and all the things that, you know, I had done. And I also owned a cleaning business at, at that time. So he actually came and helped me do some cleaning jobs. Like he was vacuuming offices and things like that with me. Um, Cause he said he didn't want to spend any time away from me. He all of a sudden out of nowhere tells me I want to get a tattoo. And I'm like, what do you want to get a tattoo of? Cause he had no tattoos at all. And he goes, I want you. And I said, are, are you sure? Cause that's, that's a big deal. Like tattooing somebody's face on your body. And he goes, well, I want your senior picture. Cause it represents, um, it re- represents our entire life. It represents the happiest moments in my life. Um, it represents stability and all these things. Um, so he's like, I, I want to tattoo your senior photo on my back. And I remember trying to talk him out of it because I said that was a huge tattoo to get, like for your first one, that's a big tattoo. And it covered his entire shoulder blade, but he persists and he says, no, no, I want this. And I remember thinking like, wow, I can't, no one has ever tattooed my face on their body before. Like, that's pretty crazy. Um never even my ex-husband didn't even have my name tattooed on him or anything so it was it was a huge thing now another month has passed it is april of 2018 you fly back to idaho to visit chase and be with him and his children to celebrate easter together this was the first time you were going to meet the kids and were you nervous? I mean, how did that go? Well, that was also a really exciting trip. So that was something where there was a lot of excitement built up before I went out. We talked about the first meeting with his kids. He talked about how he was so excited for them to get to know me. I love to cook. So this was going to be a big deal for me. Um, cooking is like my love language. If I care about you, if you're a friend or family, I bake things for you. I make food. It's, it's a big deal for me. So I was very, very excited to share this with his family. So I book the ticket. I fly out. He picks me up from the airport. We get back to the house and he goes and he picks up his kids. So I'm kind of anxiously waiting there. And, you know, this is kind of tense because like the first time you meet someone else's children, like if they hate you, like that could be it, you know, (laughs) immediately give me hugs and they're so excited and they're like, wow, my dad's been talking a lot about you you know, um, all these things. So I'm like, wow, this is, this was great. This was a great first meeting. It was actually when I was cooking Easter dinner that things got weird. Okay. Tell us about that. So I'm making a big five course meal and I I was cooking like all day long. I'm in his kitchen and he's across the street, um, with his neighbors and they're having a beer in the front yard. And I walk out and I'm wearing a nice dress and I'm getting everything prepared. And I walk out to let him know, like, hey, it's it's probably going to be ready in about 30 minutes. You know, we'll, we'll have dinner completely ready. 
and he introduces me as his friend. He goes, this is my friend. And you're like, Red I Hawk. remember looking at him like, what? Yeah. And, oh, she flew in from um, Ohio to come visit us. And, you know, we've known each other since high school. So he's kind of telling part of our story, but not the whole story. And so we're walking back to the house and I looked at him and I said, why didn't you call me your girlfriend? And he goes, oh, well, you know, the neighbors, they all know, um, they all know my ex-wife. They all know Denise and they're going to let her know all these things. If I say anything like they're, they're going to tell her all that you're here and what you look like. And then she's going to start stalking you. And I'm just trying to protect you. I'm just trying to make it so that all this craziness that's a part of my life right now doesn't happen to you. Not everything he's told you is accurate about right. he and Denise's marriage and slash divorce. Mm -hmm. Was there anything around the home that reflected the fact that they Oh, there were so many things, so many things that kind of excuses for that. I'm assuming, right? Oh yeah. So, okay. We're, we're all women and (laughs) we understand how we function. Most of us are pretty much the same fundamentally. All of her makeup and bathroom stuff was still underneath the bathroom cabinet. Like all her extra shampoos, shaving gels, lotions, um, hairstyling products, like her curling iron and stuff were like still under the bathroom cabinet. And I remember mentioning this to him. And then a lot of her clothes were still in the house. And I said to him, I was like, well, and this is where I started asking him about the divorce. Because again, he had told me that they had been divorced for a year. So I said, well, you know, I remember that she was moving out, but you said that she had already been done with you and that this had been a year that she had been gone. Like, why did it take her so long to come and get furniture and stuff? And he said it was because she continued to manipulate him during this process, that she was using the fact that her things were still in the house to give herself access whenever she wanted um, so that she could sneak through his stuff, that she would dig through his things and see if he was seeing anyone else or talking to anyone else and that um, she was turning his life upside down. He had an excuse for everything. There was always a but, but this, but that, but here. And why don't you trust me? Yeah, so I uh, fly back from Idaho. I get back to Ohio. Uh, It was maybe a day or two after I get home. I get a phone call from him and he's crying and he tells me he's got something very important to tell me. And he immediately blurts out that he has stage three cancer and he's dying. Okay, everyone. So thank you so much for sticking around because we have a very special guest and anyone who's followed our two seasons of Ex-Wife's Undercover, Amber and I spoke about Avery. Now, as you all joined us on this journey, we started high, we got real low, and then we got high again and all became besties. So because Avery and Alicia's stories are so similar, we thought, hello, who better to comment on this whole entire crazy story? Also, just to give a little bit more context to this, if you're just jumping into season three, Avery was a girlfriend of our husband, our ex-husband, during the time that I was married to him. So her story very much parallels Alicia's. And so, yes, just like what Athena said, um, we'll get some good insight because just like Alicia having this old friend come back into her life, 
Yeah. Uh, so did Avery. So. Yes. With a bunch of lies. Yep. And a whole lot of scandal and even a tattoo. So. And cancer. And cancer. <laughs> we got it all. We got it Good all. times. I know you're smiling, Avery. <laughs> She's like cringing, like, oh, here we go. We're going to revisit. <laughs> oh my gosh. What was I thinking? <laughs> I think we can all officially say what the hell were we thinking, but yeah. you know, yeah. here we are. And yep. Quite the journey, uh, right? Yeah. Yep. It's quite, quite the journey. Okay. So much like Alicia, you were also contacted by a childhood friend, our ex-husband, uh, why do you think that they go after people they know versus on a dating app? I I think that there was maybe maybe a time where you know they remember feeling innocent or you know just before they have you know where they're at is just you know very sick people and so just maybe a time where it was you know happy for them and they had good memories and a simpler time in life do you think there's an element of this already established trust yes absolutely totally built in automatically they don't have to earn it they just have it yeah Mm -hmm. and people from the harbor you know were such like simple people that I would never in a million years think anyone that I had grown up with would be a bad person like yep. at all. not even a little bit like I don't think anybody would I thought that this yeah. person was just the best person ever and I'm just so fortunate and lucky and happy I, I also wondered between you and Alicia too is that because they were both married or you know Chase's case he was kind of in this in-between area I was married I wonder if it's kind of a way for them to get around going on dating apps and getting exposed. Yes. So they seek oh, out someone that they know that they can go into yes. the DMs. No one's going to find out, right? Point. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and I still don't have that, you know, that like cue that goes off like manipulation. It's just another aspect. Like, don't think that just because this is an old friend that there's still that old sweet person that you used yes. to know. Because Oh my gosh, no right? 20 years go by and they have changed. They have life experiences that, you know, maybe have brought them down a different path. So don't go in just with complete blind trust. This research from Colorado university basically was saying that half of those people reporting extramarital sex said that they were unfaithful with someone that they knew such as a close friend. And about a third of affairs are actually with someone that they knew well, like a neighbor, a coworker, or a long-term acquaintance. So This is very much um, prevalent in people who are going to cheat, carry on affairs, um, or whatnot. I found oh, that really yeah. fascinating. Absolutely. Why am I not surprised? Maybe because uh, blowing up on TikTok and having all of these men and women come forward, and a lot of people are saying, wow, that sounds exactly like the things that have happened. So clearly, this is common occurrence. So both men, Ben, Brandon, in our case, um, and then Alicia with Chase, they both painted themselves as fully single. However, Chase proceeded to immediately throw his ex under the bus and say she was toxic. Now, we know that Ben threw Athena under the bus and that he didn't really mention me, correct? So is that just sort of like 
immediately like, oh, poor me. And she's the devil. So can you talk to us a little bit more about kind of what he said? The things he would tell me out at the <laughs> Oh, uh, let's hear it. So outlandish. Like, of course, you know, what a whore she was, of course. Um, that he never, ever wanted to have a child with her. She um, trapped him. Um, oh, gosh. Um, that they you know, had this million dollar like eyelash company and, you know, <laughs> the, the Seattle Seahawks would come to it. And then he, you know, they were just like these rich and famous people. And then, you know, he caught her like making out with someone, you know, in a parking lot or something. I don't just all, you know, and then they got divorced and then, you know, she took everything from him and then, always cheating and now like he's the worst person ever he has her him in court she brainwashes sydney this sweet grace harbor you know perfect guy just you know that this he'd just meet this woman from up north athena and she would you know just be this terrible terrible awful person and he's just lived in hell you know just poor guy yeah right right (laughs) Oh my gosh. Like, life. I did not even have the slightest anything in me that he was lying or this. I mean, you know what? You can't even feel bad for it. I believed him blindly too about Athena. I just, when you're a very trusting person like Alicia and us, like your brain doesn't go there. You just feel like, well, I wouldn't lie about that. Why would anyone lie about that? Let's move on to love bombing, which all three of us know oh so very well alicia also was told similar things like she was always the one can you give us another example of how he got you to trust him and believe all of the love bombing he told me he loved me like within you know week one and the constant over the top i love yous and no and you know every other hour telling me how amazing i am yeah it's the love bombing is completely excessive. And now I look back and be like, oh my gosh, that's so over the top. That's so ridiculous. Now looking back, do you feel like there was strategy to his motives? Yes. Yes. I feel like all, every one of us, girlfriends or ex-wives, I feel like we have a very sweet kindness about us. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, all you're perfect in any way, but I do feel like, we have the type of personality where we want to take care of people and we want to make the people that we love happy. So I feel like each one of us definitely has those qualities. I have another question with your situation and Alicia's situation reconnecting after all these years, things were moving really quickly with her and as well with you and Mm -hmm. Brandon, Ben, and he asked you to move in with him really quickly. And I love you very quickly. She mentioned something about like, normally I would think that's really too quick and I would get a red flag from that, but I had known him my whole life. So I felt like that would be okay to have an expedited courtship. Were you kind of in that same mind? Like, oh crap, he wants me to move in with him. Like, you know? Yes. But I thought, I honestly thought like he was such a blessing. He was exactly the person who was intended for me. You know, I 
completely a hundred percent was manipulated. It's definitely a mind fuck for sure, but you want to believe that it's real, healthy and good intentions. And um, so many times I've told so many people, no one can ever prepare you for dealing with a sociopath or somebody with a cluster B personality. And we've talked about him having borderline uh, personality disorder. Not every single person who has borderline is as extreme as Brandon is. They don't all carry the exact same trait. So I want to throw that out there. That's what he was diagnosed with. Amber and I and you, Avery, also know that he was not diagnosed with much more than that. But most sociopaths and psychopaths aren't diagnosed until they're maybe in prison or dead and there's a book written about them. Um, so I'll just leave it at that. All right, Avery. So Chase also introduced Alicia quickly to his children, but then he later spun it like they were just friends. Did you have any of those moments that made you feel like something was off when you were around Sydney? It would be like, okay, we can't stay the night with each other because Athena is this whore Uh and poor Sydney has been just drugged through all these men and, you know, this revolving door. Oh, I'm so sorry, Athena. This is so terrible. No, it's okay. There's nothing about Amber at all at this point so you know it's all about you so he just wanted to set an example he wanted us to get married you know before I moved in with him or at least engaged and I was just like this is God's gift to women like what an amazing father what like his moral compass oh my (laughs) gosh like I'm not gonna you know who am I let's talk about tattoos shall we because I don't know right do you remember in Alicia's story where like literally immediately within three months of them meeting he was like I want your face on my body and she's like wow that's that's so special and meaningful and and Ben has literally tattooed everybody. It's somebody, It's like, and you get a tattoo, and you get a tattoo. Yes. And, and, and you, and you, and you. And you. But here's the crazy part, you guys, because I, I was like, is there something to this tattoo thing? And so, of course, I'm doing my research before our thing. And there is. So I found two different articles. One saying that there is a correlation between tattoos and mental illness. Um, okay. Basically, psychiatric disorders such as uh, sociopath, antisocial personality disorder, drug, alcohol abuse, and dun, 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 borderline personality disorder <laughs> are frequently associated with tattoos. And not only that, a study conducted by the Center for Forensic Psychiatry also show that those with a desire to get inked are at a greater risk of suffering from antisocial personality disorder, otherwise known as psycho. Very interesting. So for anyone who has an old childhood friend, who comes out of the woodwork or anyone really. And is like, I'm going to ink your name right off the bat to go like, hold on. You psychopath. So Athena, the chapter in your guys's book where she says bit by a spider, that's what Brandon turned into was the spider. Uh So I agree. And that concludes our short interview with Avery. Thank you so, so much for joining us. We absolutely loved having you. And hopefully we'll see her again soon in future episodes. 
Hey X fans, if you haven't quite got your full fix of X-Wives Undercover or the X-Files, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and join our Facebook group. Make sure to also follow us on Instagram and TikTok. And if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to leave us a five-star review.